The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. John the Baptist saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. He is the one of whom I said, A man is coming after me who ranks ahead of me, because he existed before me. I did not know him, but the reason why I came baptizing with water was that he might be made known to Israel. John testified further, saying, I saw the Spirit come down like a dove from heaven and remain upon him. I did not know him, but the one who sent me to baptize with water told me, On whomever you see the Spirit come down and remain, he is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. Now I have seen and testified that he is the Son of God. The Gospel of the Lord. In the ancient world, especially in the ancient Roman and Greek world, a patron was very important, a Patronus, and not the Harry Potter kind. A patron was someone usually of a higher economic and social class who would vouch for you in public. But he didn't do this for free, and he didn't do it because he was a nice guy. It benefited both parties. The young, upcoming lawyer or person of the state would try and hick, hitch his star to someone else, and then that person would pull him up through the ranks and so on and so forth. We see this today in our culture. Though culture has changed dramatically in the thousands of years since Christ was here on earth, we see this in our own culture. So let's say, for instance, you were accused of a crime you didn't commit, and it was a serious crime. Would you rather have a public defender, good as he or she may be, or the best, public def or the best defense attorney money can buy from Indianapolis? Most of us would choose the one we have to pay for. Because it still matters. It still matters who stands up for you. It still matters who is on your side in the school of public opinion. And yet, for three of the last four weeks, we have been reminded of the dramatic shift that the coming of Jesus Christ in the flesh represents. On Christmas, if you went to Midnight Mass, the first people to witness in the Gospel of Luke to the birth of Jesus are lowly shepherds. Last weekend, we had three mysterious men from the East, weren't even Jews, and they witnessed to Jesus. And this week, we have John the Baptist, who was, as we remember, way out in the desert, dressed in simple clothing, eating locusts and honey. None of these people were particularly high on the social ladder. And so we are challenged to recognize that with the coming of Christ, it still matters who testifies on our behalf. 
that Jesus Christ is God, is the Son of God, the second person in the Trinity, and when we die, he will advocate before us before God. So that's still very important. But our lives are not about just serving him, a quid pro quo of if we serve him, he'll serve us, but it is becoming a life that testifies to him. That our life should be a constant testimony to the goodness, the beauty, the truth, the love, the mercy that is Christ Jesus. And so we have to ask ourselves, does my life testify to something greater than me? Or do the things in my life testify to who I am? And in this question, in this soul-searching, we might fall into the temptation to ask myself, to ask ourselves, am I a good person? And I would warn against that, because here's why. Most of us, if we were asked, are you a good person, without hesitation would say, yes, I'm a good person. Because we want to think we're good people, and for the most part, most of us probably are good people. But goodness is relative. Goodness in what way? I might be a really good cook and a terrible friend, but I see those as balancing out and I'm a good person. We can be very subjective with this. A few years ago, I was at a wedding of a college friend and I was talking with one of my good friends from college and we hadn't spoken in years because I went to college out east and all my friends stayed out there and I moved back to the Midwest. And I finally got out there, and we're sitting there, and we're talking all night long, and I could see this question coming like a train down the tracks. I knew it was coming. And finally, toward the end of the night, with a little courage, probably a little liquid courage, she looked me straight in the eye, and she says, do you think I'm a good person? And I said, I have no idea if you're a good person. And in my heart, I'm thinking to myself, frankly, how am I supposed to know that? I haven't spoken with you one-on-one -on -one in five years. And she's asking this because there are things that she's checked off as what make her good that she wants to present to me. And sure, those can make her good in that way, but overall, I don't know. And so the question is not, am I a good person? But the question in terms of testifying to a life and testifying to Jesus Christ is this. Am I growing in holiness? In the second reading, we heard from St. Paul that you are a people sanctified in Christ Jesus and called to be holy. Not good people, but great people. Not good people, but saints. Holy people. And saints sanctify the world. Good is right here. Saints live for what is beyond them. And are we striving after that? In that, we can start to see the objective truths by which we can judge our lives. Am I growing in love? Am I growing in mercy? <coughs> Am I growing in faith and hope? Am I growing as a person of God? And we can actually hold that up to a standard and look and evaluate our entire life against that. But it's not easy. We live in a culture that says, prioritize yourself. We live in a culture that, um, I hear all these things all the time, so I apologize if I get these wrong, but um, fear of missing out. Do people say FOMO? Is that a thing? I'm not sure. My mom says it, but that doesn't mean a whole lot. She gets a lot of things kind of confused. I love her. All right? We also live in a world where it's, you know, you only live once, YOLO. Or you know what? You do you. All of those things are utter nonsense in relationship to Christ. 
Think of it this way. Am I growing in holiness if I've set up plans with my friends for Friday night and then I get invited to that party I really wanted to go to and I dump my friends to go to that party? That's probably happened to some of you and you've probably been on both sides of it. It's not fun. It's not nice. Am I growing in holiness if I put myself first in my emotional and physical desires and wants ahead of serving others and serving the Lord and striving after perfection? We have a fear of missing out, but instead of fear of missing out on what's on campus and what's social and what's emotional out there, we should fear on missing out of a life lived in service to others. When we start to do that, when we start to live that life of fear of the Lord, not fear of missing a hilarious story or something that gets a hundred retweets or something like that, now we're starting to talk about growth in holiness. In a few moments, I will repeat verbatim the words of John the Baptist, holding up our Eucharistic Lord. Jesus Christ, remember, is fully present in the Eucharist. Jesus Christ, who walked in front of John the Baptist, walks in front of us on the altar in a few minutes. And I will hold him up and I will say on our behalf, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Jesus Christ loves each of you so much that he gave his life. Jesus Christ gave his life so that you might have life and have it to the fullest. May all of our lives be a witness and a testimony to that man who comes, to that man who loves, and to that man who redeems us. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world.